Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance. Hi, Vance. Good evening, everyone. Good evening to you, too. We have Todd Young. Hi, Todd. I'm here, ready to go, guys. Excellent. And we have Todd Leopardi. Hi, Leo. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing just fine. And uh, for the sake of confusion, I am going to try to avoid calling Todd Leopardi Todd. I'm just going to try calling him Leo. Um, it will be Leo for tonight, yes. We're going to try. So we have uh, Jorg, Leo, and Big V. <laughs> Vance, and Jorg. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. My joke. All right. Anyways, um, this podcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products. You can find the baits, what little we have left. Yes, I'm going back to broken record again um, at fattyzmusky.com along with the rod holders. Uh, Rod holders, they've been, uh, you know, they've been going pretty good. So it must be boat setup time. A lot of people have some time on their hands to uh, look at their boats and maybe want to make a change or do a complete redesign on their uh, trolling setup and that's where i come in uh give me a call give me a text give me an email a message on any of the outlets i'd be glad to help uh with any setup questions you have even if that means recommending another manufacturer's product uh i've been living this for a long time with in the rod holder market i should kind of clarify i Um, bet you have i know like breakfast lunch and dinner over here so I can I can give suggestions and advice, and you can choose to take them or leave it. It's up to you, but it's free of charge, so uh, I have no problem. Sucks when that happens. It it does, but I mean, if <laughs> you know what, it's a free country, I guess. It is. So I saw a uh, I saw a neat little video today of uh, Greg Muskie Hunter, Greg Thomas. Mm-hmm. He did a uh, oh, it was like I forget what I forget what he called it. It was like a quest of the day or something, you know, and he, people are sending in, I guess he's going to do this for a while. Cause I don't think they're doing a whole bunch of guiding because people aren't traveling that much, but, uh, like he got the quest. Okay. Today, you, hit, you know, he was supposed to go out and catch a fish on a deep diving crankbait. Of course he had a Z line the whole way up in front of his boat. I don't know how many, he was by himself, but he had like eight rods out and it was, I mean, he, he kept going over and tipping them up, tipping them down. He didn't mention him, but it was like an AZ rod holder commercial. It was nice. Yeah. Caught a couple of fish. Yeah. Greg Greg has, I don't even know how many he has. At one point, I knew he had yeah. nine, but then a couple fell in the water, never got those ones back, and then he picked up some more. It's just a cluster F of how many he yeah. has, but he has a ton of them. Yeah. Him and yeah. Tony. So They look good. They do look good. All right, Muddy Creek, how are you? Muddy, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Get a hold of us. I don't know what we'll be doing in Pennsylvania. Maybe we'll be able to start up in May. I got a few trips lined up, and we're planning on doing them if we can. Uh, Chautauqua Lake starting up last Saturday in May. Vance and I have like June and July pretty much booked up, but uh, we're still openings for the summer, fall. We're hoping, still hoping, we'll see what's going to happen up there. Uh, but we will do our best to get out there and get you on some fish one way or the other. Uh, that's it, man. Absolutely. And don't forget, if we are booked up on those summer days, uh, second year in a row, we'll be doing five to nine charters as well for a half-day price. And uh, Todd and I have always talked about how we love fishing the evening on Chautauqua Lake, especially if you're a caster in that early season. Uh, If you do come out with us, big shout-out to Ranger Boats for sponsoring this show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. 
Um, you can find all your ranger needs at Vic Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Check them out for service, uh, dewinterization, getting your boat up and running, uh, and uh, getting out there and having some fun while practicing social distancing. Uh, they have rangers, starcraft, star welds, uh, triton boats now, and you'll also uh, get great service from them. Um, we can't speak highly enough about the Angler Series. We think it's the perfect uh, set up for what we do as a, gu- as a, a guide uh, program. And uh, especially when you're, you just are one person on that boat, no first mate, it's the perfect fishing boat. So uh, check those out. Also shout out to St. Croix Rods, uh, best rods on earth for sponsoring the show in Muddy Creek. Um, Baker Bates, shout out to him. Um, thanks for sponsoring this show. And uh, that's it for me. We got, Todd and his musky yes. ink plug. It's musky ink. What do you think? Yo, yo, up, down. Uh, get out there and check out your local chapters. Everybody, you know, people seem to have some time and hands to jump on a computer. Look, 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 look it up. If you're not a member, if you're a musky fisherman, I feel, you know, it's just real important to be a member of your local musky ink chapter. You know, the chapter is doing all kinds of things, helping the fisheries. You can get as involved as you want. You know, you can get involved with going to all the meetings, attending all that. Uh, they're always looking for help. I think our club's looking for, you know, a new president right now and, uh, all, you know, tournament directors. It takes a lot of work. Some guys that, you know, working guys, it's hard. You got to rotate around. So always looking for people to get involved. They do so much good for the muskie fishing, you know, and uh, muskies Inc. has, you know, through the years, a lot of these clubs, as I said, have got to starting to work with the states, helping with minnow funds, buying fish. You know, we used to help stock, float stock different areas of the lake. You know, they let us run around and, uh, you know, you, getting involved in the fisheries, I think, is the most fun part of being a member of Muskie's Inc. And, you know, the national organization gives you, the, I guess, the clout, I would say, to let them hear the voice, you know. And uh, lots of neat stuff going on with Muskie's Inc. Check out your local chapter. Every state that has Muskie's, I believe, has a chapter and uh, some multiple ones. And a lot of fun to be involved in Muskie's Inc. Perfect. And uh, I, I left something out on my uh, my little plug for AZ. Uh, for Bates, check out Team Rhino Outdoors and Musky Tackle online. There, I'm, you know, not very professional tonight. All right, Leo, you still with us? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. <laughs> Tell everyone uh, where they can find your baits at. Um, you can go on our website at uh, www.leolures.com or also Team Rhino. Um, they've been doing pretty good carrying our stuff. Uh, Chautauqua Real Outdoors in New York and Lock 3 here in PA. Um, we have a lot of other small stores, but um, a lot of people just get a hold of us right on our website, and especially for ordering custom colors. We do so many different colors, and people add their own twist to them too, so it makes it sort of nice. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get it all flustered with people ordering kind of like their little twist on a color like uh sometimes yeah because it's sometimes they're like what they're telling you you're not sure if you're deciphering it you know exactly the way that they want it and yeah um sometimes it's you know they're shooting me an email or a message over instagram and i'm trying to decipher what they want and you know it's you're shooting stuff back and forth trying to figure it out just to make sure you get it right but I'd say for the most part, pretty much, I think we get everybody's orders the way that they want them, but it's just 
sometimes it's a guessing game. Yeah, I find sometimes um, just the uh, vocabulary of just picking out the anatomy of the bait. You know, sometimes what we call the top or the back, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, I know what I'm saying and I know that customers know what they're saying. It's just sometimes you get lost in uh, the lingo and, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I've always found that to be a challenge sometimes. So I, I, I try to shy away from doing that. But if you look at your color chart, it's, it's crazy in depth and yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do some a lot of different crazy paints. Yeah, they're all up there too. It's sometimes like, yeah. it's it's tough because I got a I got a little box that I keep like the name of every color, and some of them on the back I'll write like all my steps for painting it. Mm-hmm. And I've probably got in the box I've probably got three to four hundred different colors in there. But on our website, I can't even remember offhand. There's got to be close to a hundred on the website. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just yeah, it gets it gets confusing sometimes. What I find funny when I'm out in the boat fishing with guys is you see I know how many. Now I know everybody see can see color differently. What the way you see it or the way I see it, but uh, you know I don't think that I, I, I there's there's a lot of guys that, which it's a known fact, a lot of guys are partially colorblind, and you know they'll be like, oh, get that one out that we did use last time, the one that had the blue spots, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I have no bait with a blue spot, and then you pull it out and. You know, it's it's a green, it's like a frog or something. I'm like, that's green. I, I would have never guessed blue. You know, <laughs> that's my that's my dad. He's colored blind. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, that would be really hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what trying it is, to tell you color. Green. Yeah, the blue. You're trying to tell you know that, that it's like a blue perch. I'm like a blue perch. We don't have one of those. You know, that's green. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, so with all those colors. Please tell me you have more than like the primary colors of paint in your paint booth and you're not just mixing all these shades and stuff. Or do you have I mean <laughs> I've I've probably got just different jars that are set up with paint. I mean some of them that I've mixed other ones you know that you just buy that color that you want, but I've probably got close to 30 some different colors mm-hmm. ready to go. But um a lot of them I'll try to buy right from the paint store. I'll just look it up on, with us using like automotive paint, I'll just look through the books and find, you know, what I want. But other times we're hand mixing them too. And I'm not the greatest at, at hand mixing the colors. My mom, she does like oil painting. and She is really, really good at, at, you know, telling you what colors to mix. So if I get, get sort of stumped on something, I make a phone call to her and try to describe the color and, it's it's funny sometimes the color that you got to add to it to get the color you want. She'll tell me and I'll mix it and it's generally right on. It's there, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's crazy how much black is actually put into in mixing the color white. <laughs> I mean, have you seen that? I haven't. I probably haven't. No, not with the white. Okay, so it, go down to the you know wherever you get your paint from. And just pick out a white and, or have them, like, give me the recipe for it. Sometimes it's, like, two drips of black per so many ounces of other stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't have even guessed that. I know. Black Damn. is very common in almost every color shade. from Because from, when I'm there, you know, getting my paint made up, I'm watching them do stuff. And I'm like, why did you need ten colors to make this one color? Just pull green off yeah. the shelf. <laughs> Yeah, that yep. black must be just like a darkening agent that just 
I don't know, but it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes, like, you'll be, when I call her, she'll be like, oh, just add a little bit of, like, a red or a blue or green. You know, it's like you're adding these colors to it. And I'm like, man, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if that's going to make it the right shade. And you add it, and bang, it's right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it definitely stumps me sometimes when I'm looking at it because I have no no clue. And, and she's done it for so many years through oil painting that it just it clicks for her really easy. Now, do you keep those recipes like in a, you know, safe or do you just like, I'll mix up this much and when it's gone, it's gone. I'll figure it out again. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much just mix it as I need it. Like I'll, if I'm painting that color, I might mix like a jar full and that way I have it. But I also, on some of the colors that I have a hard time remembering, I have like a little tablet and I'll write down what I got to add. And just so I'm not calling her all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, now, I know it's it's been like two months ago, eh, not quite two months, month and a half ago, the Muskie Max was, mm-hmm. was you know, has came and since went. Um, you know, prepping, you you bring a lot of baits. It's At least from the outside, it looks like you sell a lot of baits. How do you prep for a big show like that? It's, I don't know. It seems like I think I work a whole lot better under pressure. If I have a ton of time to get stuff ready, almost feel like I'm dragging my feet and we usually and I start messing around usually like probably around the end of October early November and I'll really start making bodies trying to get ready for the show and stuff because I think I think this year we had it was 800 and some lures and I mean that's a lot of baits to get ready plus trying to do if you get some orders or anything in between that I'm trying to get trying to get everything done before the show and then get my lures ready for the show. So it's, you're sort of, you know, moving at a pretty good pace, especially as the show gets closer. And my wife always laughs because I would say it was probably mid-January, and I was like, wow, I, I'm in really good shape this year. Um, I said, I, I could stop right now, and we could probably have enough for the show. And she's like, I know you. You're going to be painting to the last minute. And I do every year. I'm, I'll start adding. I'll be like, well, you know, maybe I'll add, you know, five or ten more of this color and this color and this color, and it just it never ends clear up to the show. It's like within three days of the show, I'm still painting. Are you doing most of it by yourself, Todd? I know it was sort of a family thing. Your dad helped you do some bodies at one point. I know your wife has a lot of Yeah, it's, it's pretty much me. Um, like Joey, he'll run the lathe some now. Um, but most of that's me now by myself. But, like, the assembly and stuff like that, like, Lori really helps out a lot with all the assembly, and Joey comes up, Shayla helps out some, and Lori does all the ordering, you know, for all of our hardware and everything, and, you know, I just, I try to do all the bodies and try to paint everything, and it it definitely, definitely keeps you hopping. Yeah. But I love doing it, so it's, like, at, at times... Even during the busiest times when you're out there for, you know, 10 hours or something on a weekend, uh, it just seems, to me, it's just fun. And it doesn't really seem like I'm working. It's just, I don't know, it's, I, I, I enjoy it so much. Yeah, it it's, like it's, it's like a way of life for you now. I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. I haven't been over in a while. Is it still the uh, assembly goes on on the dining room table? 
No, we do. No, you move. Okay. Uh, it's we did that for years. And yeah. Every once in a while, you know, we'll we'll still go back to the dining room table. Yeah. But a lot of it is up in the shop, and it starts getting to the point now where it's more of a hassle bringing all that stuff into the house. Where before, you know, that's just what we did. I think we assembled. We probably put more hours assembling on our dining room table than we did eating. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I know oh your wife God. used to make your wife used to say, "Yeah, we don't eat at the table really. We just it's always filled with lures." Of course, yeah. your shop has changed a ton since then too. You got a yeah, nice, yeah, I mean, we, nice we shop now. A, yeah, we went from a started out with a like a ten foot by twelve foot shed. Shed, yeah. And then added on and added on yep. and added on. And it looked like it was added on and added on yeah. and added on. <laughs> and ended up having it knocked down and had that two-stall garage with an upstairs built. So that that just made life a whole lot easier. So with you're working out of, like, of the upstairs of it now? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was upstairs. a dedicated build for it. Yep. Yeah, the whole upstairs is for the shop, you know, for the lure shop and part of the downstairs where our vehicles are is where I keep all my wood and dust collector and everything. But, uh, yeah, that whole upstairs is our shop. And the other funny thing is we have an above ground swimming pool that that's like my testing tank during the summer. I, I don't even think last year, I don't even know if I got in the pool one time, but except to retrieve a snag, right? A yeah. If I, <laughs> yeah. I'd be, I'll, if I snag the pool, I'll probably have to be living up in that shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's... so in pre- in prepping for the musky max, you said you brought around eight hundred baits. We did that as well, um, and it was pretty chaotic. But uh, how do you decipher what with your elaborate color chart of say a hundred colors that you have? Mm-hmm. How do you say like you know I'm this is what I'm going to paint for? this specific crowd, this show, uh, I'm going to do like eight perches, 10 goldies, one couple brown perch. What do you, what do you usually do um, leading up to a show like that? Um, a lot of times what I'll end up, what, what I try to do anyhow is most of the guys that have used our lures for years, they have a lot of our older stuff and, but they're still like, like Michigan perch or that golden, you know, goldie. Arthur perch. Those have been such good colors for years that I still bring those because they we still keep selling them. But then for the you know the show each year, I'll try to bring a lot of our newer colors that a lot of people they might have seen them on Instagram or on the website or you know wherever. And I want to have those on hand because that's that's what they're going to be needing more than likely is those newer colors. And um, there's some colors that we'll even bring that. Like when I was saying I'm painting clear up to the last minute, I might design a color the week of the show and think, you know what, I better bring this one. And, you know, it's just usually just trying to get as many new colors as you can and for people to see or a new new lure size. I know the three of us have fallen uh, to those new colors at points. Um, yeah. They're certainly eye catchers. We always hurry up and run over there before the door starts. And you always have a nice, like, boga. Uh, I know that's an oxymoron in the musky uh, industry, but bogo um, deal going on. You buy so many lures, you get one free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think, like, you know, past two years, it, it's happened 
maybe even three where I've, I've like ventured over there, had a handful. Then Andy comes over and he's like, wait a minute, let me get some. <laughs> We're starting so counting. I was like, wait, let me grab a couple. That's the best deal of the year for anybody. Like I try to do that too. Cause with the show, I don't know if I was going to the show, I would always be thinking, I wonder if they're going to, you know, they're going to have a good sale here, a good deal instead of just your normal everyday you know, price, and, you know, we yeah. usually have that special. So I figured anybody that's actually going to take the time to show up at the show and look us up, you know, I'm giving a little bit back to them and, you know, an appreciation for them. That's nice. And it helps us, helps us too, because it's, you know, it's moving sure. bait, So Really, really nice booth, really nice setup. You also carry, which um, we'll get into, you your your bait line and your new baits but your hook sharpeners i love them um and what do you what was do you remember what you said to me when i grabbed like three of them uh-uh. you were like <laughs> you're like oh, i'm glad you do so but you're gonna be reminded reminded now you're like you go through a lot of hook sharpeners don't you <laughs> i was like yeah <laughs> every <laughs> year you're getting them well you know, I use them and then it rains and I just kind of leave them out there and they rust out. And I don't feel like <laughs> taking care of them, <laughs> such as life on a boat. So I just try more. But yeah, you definitely go through some hook sharpeners every year. <laughs> I don't know. T- Todd has one. I feel like he's had the same couple. I just can't get longevity out of stuff. Just like your nets. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably the difference. You you said you leave yours out and they're soaking wet, and Todd probably he probably puts his away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my foul. I I go you know my I go I go through a lot of the fouls too. You know, uh, the regular fouls because they do get rusty, and you know you can't believe you can wear out those fouls and stuff. But yeah, we, uh, oh yeah, they work nice. Yeah, uh, thank you. Now, kind of with you know how you kind of. Uh, make up a new new pattern do you feel a pressure coming into show season to have to kind of perform a new pattern or maybe a a, a twist on an existing pattern or is it still fun for you that you know you're not getting writer's block and starting to stress out over that stuff you mean like on a on a color on a color, color yeah pattern? yeah now nah, i just you know what i i enjoy that's my favorite part of anything with making lures is painting them and I sometimes get bored painting the same old colors and it's always, I'm trying to put a new twist on something or do stuff that has a different contrast. And I don't know, just all different. Like I know you guys seen some of the ones that I do with like a, like a marble finish. And I'm always like trying to do something a little different than I've done in the past. Yes, that's absolutely true. You you did a lot with the crackles, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this year yeah, I did a lot more with the crackle stuff and mm-hmm. um yeah, just the different nettings that you use, just trying, you know, all all different types of nettings and I just I enjoy that part. That's that's probably I, I that's definitely what I love the most about making the lures is painting them. How about that what Andy Andy grabbed a, cu- a couple uh lures and, and and it was it was a new color and we we picked it up and studied it underneath the lights and we were like there's like three different scale nettings that are coming through right here a lot of layers uh, and and andy took a step back and he's like that's just you, you know you think about it as a painter yourself and you're like that would add 
this many steps to the Raptor that we're doing or the, the stinger or something like that. It was just like, I can't, you know, but it's, it's beautiful stuff. Very crisp and clean. Um, with, we were talking about this last week without, without, without stenciling, um, to somebody who's very talented with the, the airbrush. And, uh, that's, what's really super neat about your lures. Yeah. That's, I, that's just, it's fun. I enjoy it. And it like the stencils, I think at times they have their place. And then other times just that, just the way you're going to spray it. So it doesn't have that super crisp line. It has the little faded edges. I think just looks so much more natural. Um, I don't know if that if the fish that makes any difference to the fish it probably doesn't mm-hmm. but you looking at it you're the one buying them so the fish aren't buying them yeah so you guys <laughs> you know you look at that that color and you know if it looks really good to you you're gonna buy it and put it in the water long enough to catch a fish and but there are times that it, it's crazy how one color and it's not just the lure because other boats will have you know, I'll be on the radio talking to some of my buddies and we'll all start putting that same color out and it's going off and some, it might be something simple as like fluorescent perch and fire tiger is such a close color to that, but you might have both of those colors out and that say fluorescent perch just keeps going off. So there is something that they're seeing that they're dialing in on, but they are very similar colors, but they're picking that one sometimes. Yeah, that's that's very true on the water. Um, where you would think like, okay, they're hitting fire tiger today, which is like a staple up at Chautauqua, and it's pretty much a staple anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would, you know, so you would think to put out something that's like that. We, and Todd and I have talked about that one color that kind of just appeared. It was called like Miller Perch, which is the same, essentially the same colors, and they, they don't touch it. It's it's bizarre. So they, yeah, there's there's definitely something to what you said there. Yeah, you just wonder what they're seeing. I mean, there's got to be something that they're picking up on because, I mean, we've done it. Like, St. Clair is the one place that I can honestly say I have to have a lot of colors up there. I mean, you can catch a fish on any color, but to get your numbers, you got to have the color that they want the majority of the time. Where I've, I've gone to... Well, Todd, Todd used to go up there at like Pigeon mm-hmm. Lake and everything. And I honestly think I could go up there with six, six colors. I've done that with Andy Lukovic before I've gone up with six different colors and fished the whole week where I, I don't think I could go to St. Clair with six colors. Mm-hmm. And how, how far apart is, are, are those lakes? I mean, we're only talking what, like five hour drive. Yeah. Yeah that's that's crazy like the the overall demographic of how the fish behave is yeah. is crazy yeah it's but i I think with St Clair I mean that's such a clear i mean depending on where you're at on the lake too I mean that, you can have super clear spots or some with you know like that silty color or the green color where on pigeon it'll look pretty much the whole lake is just one color or you know Lake Arthur or Pima tuming they're generally one color where St. Clair, you know, the east end of the lake might be one color. The center of the lake might be another, The, you know, other yeah. end of the lake. It, it just, it, that, that lake changes so much. 
Yeah, I have one more one more question about painting. Um, say you got a, a big order or you're prepping for the show. Um, do you paint your baits? You have your blank in front of you. Do you paint your bait to completion or do you try to piggyback on colors and bases uh, of the next pattern? Say, uh, you know, you got an order for a brown perch and a regular perch and your base is black. Do you hit up all those baits with black first or are you sitting there painting them to completion first? No, I, I do. Like a lot of times you'll start, if you have your body's already white, you'll start with like your chartreuse base or your yellow base. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to hit every single, you know, pattern up there that may start with chartreuse. And then I'll go my yellow and I'll just try to, while that, while that airbrush is set up, which I have nine airbrushes, set up with all different colors but i'm trying to get all my main bases done first and just work them all up to where now you can get to a lot of them are going to have black bars you know or you know black somewhere and i'm trying to work it up to where you get back to your black and mm-hmm. it can sometimes drive you nuts it, yeah juggling all that stuff sometimes you know i have a lot of baits at one time in my booth and I just get done cleaning the color out and start another color. And I look and I'm like, oh, I forgot, you know, there was five of this one. I forgot. And then you reset up on that color, but I don't know. It, it, you, you can't help it. Sometimes you, you start doing so many different colors. You get, you do get a little bit rattled on, on what's next. <laughs> on staggering the paints. I mean, I, I do that a lot and I get kind of embarrassed and I look around and I realize no one's, looking at me to see my mistake that I made. So I had to put the paint back in, but then you start I wish I was there for that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Andy seems to be around, uh, for all of, uh, Todd and myself's blunders with a, an airbrush. It'd uh-huh. be nice to be around when he has well, a little hiccup. Well, you, you guys have a learner's permit, so you need to have an adult in the, in the car. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, That's for sure. <laughs> validation <laughs> from Todd. Um, well, Vance, I heard you've been hitting the airbrush thumb. Well, we, we both have, you know, I picked it up a little bit more than Todd just because I'm closer, uh, to, to Andy, but, um, I am, I would say a C student at fading and a, an F student at everything else. <laughs> You're, so you're trying to be brutally honest or what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's kind of a... I am honest about it, you know. But uh, there's some things I'm co- comfortable with. I'm good at priming. That's good. <laughs> you know? Are you using a, uh, like, a gravity feed? Or are you putting attaching a bottle, like a siphon feed? Or Oh, well, let me just tell you everything about it, because I know pretty much everything about painting now. Um but it is a gravity feed, correct, Andy? Um, I want to. Do you want me to struggle? Let you struggle, or do you? <laughs> this is like when you're you're not like a car guy, and they open up the hood and they like show all that stuff, and you're just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, I know that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. Yeah, the carburetor, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's the muffler bearing. Yeah, yeah. Go buy a new car, and it's like, here, you want to see under the hood? I was like, not really. I do. 
I don't know. It, I just took it for a test drive. The engine's obviously there. I mean, I'm good. <laughs> it's working. There's nothing for me to look at. Yeah. Look out. It looks nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, are you, I, are you using like a, are you attaching a bottle of paint or are you putting paint in the, like a little mounted cup? It, it's it's going to, it's going to depend paint on the what. Mounted cup. Well, right, sometimes. The gravity. Sometimes. Yeah. So like you, I don't have nine airbrushes. I think I got like five. Um, it depends on what paint we're using and what we're doing with it, um, which will dictate which, you know, we have some siphons, which I've come to love in the past year or so. Uh, but yeah. still there's, there's times that the gravity is just, just what needs to be done. Um, and it's also the various sizes of brushes that I have. So yeah. Pr- I prime- all, What's that? I use all one type of airbrush that way just for me. It, it's easier because I use a Badger. It's a Crescendo 175, and you just attach the bottles to the bottom of it. But the thing I like is anytime I got to replace anything, like I have a whole pile of, like I ordered like tons of needles and tips and just every possible piece that you could ever replace on them. I have them. Mm-hmm. That way you're not not trying to order them specific for all these different types of airbrushes. I just I just carry the one type, but. I do think some of them gravity feeds are really, really nice. I just, my problem is I'm always setting the, the, I have like a little shelf right in front of my exhaust. And as I'm painting, if I'm going to keep using that color, I might set it on this little shelf right in front of me on the jar. And it just stands up where the gravity feeds. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, you can't really just set it there or, you know, if it would tip and you're spilling all your paint out. Yeah. I have two like little nails that I go and I, I perch the, uh, the airline in between them and you know you got to watch oh crap i filled this thing up too high i'm gonna have to hold it and do whatever i need to do with one hand you know mm-hmm. stuff like you know stuff like that but um oh yeah that, that makes sense to have all the same that way you know it's the same feel every gun you pick up that's you know your trigger motion that was in the little wee bit of time that i painted that was the biggest thing i mean not you know realizing it's like the throttle feed and you got a more pullback more you're getting out so you're gonna have the same feel on every one you know yeah, you know, to me it just switching makes it guns. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, it's for me it's because I used to use a Badger 150, and it's a lot, a lot uh, smaller diameter of an airbrush. It's almost like a just like a regular pen diameter. Mm-hmm. Fender is more probably diameter compared to like a Sharpie, mm-hmm. just a little mm-hmm. bit bigger. And it's for me it's comfortable. But I mean, you guys might try that and hate it it's just right it's what i've used for so yeah. many years i i picked up on one thing you said there uh sharpie and that was the only thing i recognized <laughs> um. <laughs> i can i can tell you this when i switched for uh brushes uh the first time i did that i was i was using um just call it the uh, Paint Master 5000. Uh, you guys don't know about that, but um, that one I was really used to. But then I was using the Paint Master 10,000 and for priming, and uh, I like, dumped the primer all over my hand. It was terrible. <laughs> it was. It had like a you know, like three ounces of primer in it and he does one bait and dips it on it's a gravity and it went all over the gun in his hand that's that's why you you know you, you take the old station wagon with the learning permittees in it and you're like all right we're in a parking lot let's let's see you not hit the curb and 
<laughs> first thing they do. And Andy, his first step prior to scolding me was uh, to take a picture. I, had to, uh, I, I was laughing. I had to take a picture, and it wasn't scolding. Yeah. I backhanded him. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. It's not allowed. Not allowed to hit. You can just raise your voice. <laughs> just remember, if raising your voice don't work. Raise the hand. So, <laughs> all right, let's get off of you know this uh, this beating that we're giving Vance. Uh, like that pun. Anyways, um, I like it. The uh, you've come out with a couple new baits in the last few years, and I think it's been at least a couple years since you've been on. Do you, you want to talk about those new baits? Yeah, probably my my newest one is um, that LA Shad, and it's I've had people for years ask um, about my Shayla Shad. They were like, "Can you make a bigger version of that?" And we screwed around with a few things that I, I just I didn't like. Then we come out with the Mojo, and people still were like we got to get, you get something like that Shayla Shad or a cross between a Shayla Shad and the Mojo. And so this year, well, actually late last summer, I kept screwing around with, with this lure that, that we ended up calling the LA Shad, but it's, it's the same size, really same length as the Shayla Shad and it's jointed, but it, it has the same body style as a Shayla, but it has the Lexan lip like the Mojo. So it's a little bit of a cross between the two. And, mm-hmm. uh, just swimming action and stuff it'll it's very similar to the mojo but with it being jointed it's a fat little faster swimming action and it does walk like a little tiny bit so but like a lot of people a lot of people were asking me oh is this just a jointed mojo and i'm like no it's it's a totally different body it's bigger than a little bit bigger than the mojo but it, it does have that same lexan lip let's uh let's take a step back here so your shayla what describe what the shayla is about five I inches. Didn't, I didn't catch you on that. <clears throat> uh, describe what the Shayla is so we can give some people, the, you know, like what, like a little visual on this. Describe yeah, the, the, Shayla, the Shayla. The Shayla Shad, it, it's a Shad-shaped body. It's it's a thinner body, and it's only jointed. It's like five and three-quarter inch. Um, but this has a metal lip on it. And then the Mojo, it's just under five inches, and it also has a Shad body, but it's a thicker from like back to belly a little bit thicker now the the la shad is sort of right in between those it has the the same from back to belly it has that same thickness as the mojo but it has the same length as like a shayla shad but it has the lexian lip of the mojo it's just a different angle we had to change the angle to try to get the same depth as our mojo so essentially um the new bait is a Mojo Shayla hybrid. Right. right. Okay. And, and and then the name for it, it's funny because, like, I think a lot of people are thinking I'm talking like L.A. as in California. But I had the Shayla Shad after my daughter Shayla and the Mojo after my son Joey. And everybody kept saying, you know, you got to get something for your wife. Her name's Lori. And we could not come up with any name as you know, Lori in the, in, you know, in the name of the lure. So we did come up with LA for her initials mm-hmm. and uh, for Lori Ann. And, but we just, it's funny all the years we've been married, I've never called her by her middle name. <laughs> when I told her that she gave me a dirty look, but I, was like, <laughs> hey, I think that the LA fits it a little better. So it, it works. 
yeah, so you uh, don't don't bring her, you know, don't call her by her middle name, but now you name a whole bait line <laughs> after it. But yeah. I, I think it fits. I mean, I, I was wondering the same thing. I'm just thinking, L.A., okay, what are we, uh, how does that link in? <laughs> yep. But that's, that, yeah, that's, it. that's cool. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, you went out and, you know, you, you played around with this, with these baits and stuff. What kind of dive curve are you getting? Um, on the LA, yeah, we're getting with like 35 feet of line out going like four and a half mile an hour, like off your GPS speed, you're that, that lure is diving down about like seven, seven and a half feet. Okay, so like five to one ratio, five yeah, foot aligned, one foot mojo, down. The mojo is very similar. I mean, you're only getting about a half a foot to a foot deeper with the regular mojo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just you're a little bit shallower with the LA. It's just the swimming action. The L, the mojo, with it being a straight body, you just get a little wee bit wider swimming action. Where the LA shad, with it being jointed, it's a a little narrower, faster swimming action. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, uh, Vance, would this be a good time to talk about your... Uh... I have one more. I have one more. Uh, okay, yeah, it would be. Um, but one more question. Are you still making the hogs? Yeah. I don't make a whole lot of those. It seems like, I don't know if Todd would probably remember back when we would fish up at Pigeon, how there was that a few years where the big baits were sort of a big deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh sure. It, it sort of peaked, and honestly, the last, geez, oh man, I would say probably seven, eight years, it has definitely been smaller baits for us anyhow. Like, I, I just don't, I don't sell a lot of 11-inch baits anymore. Um, everything's in that, you know, five, six-inch, you know, sometimes up to eight-inch range, but the 11-inchers, they're definitely not as popular, but I still get pictures every year of some really nice ones guys are getting, like especially like up near like the St. Lawrence and Ottawa and stuff like that. But in our area, I don't sell as many, you know, 11-inch uh, hogs anymore. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I would probably say I've noticed that trend. It, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be scaling back on the size, at least for trolling. But... Yeah, we can uh, we can we can roll right into uh, a fishing story. You know, we've been using the Mojo since it came out. I think that is this their third year that you had them on product line. Yeah, I think this is the fourth year. But third or fourth, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is going into the into the fourth year of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I was we I went up to uh, I was fishing in Pennsylvania. And, um, the first time out on that lake, uh, um, I guess it would be last weekend. I think it, yeah, I think it was Saturday. Last weekend. And, um, you know, uh, started the day off casting, wasn't really seeing much. Uh, so we just decided to, uh, put a spread out and, uh, go trolling, um, for these pre-spawn muskies, uh, in Pennsylvania and uh the mojo was the hot ticket uh there's no doubt about it they were they were uh pinging in on that and pinging in on the specific color um and uh we were anybody that fishes this lake knows that it's pretty much a shallow time of year 
uh, people call it, you know, saying run tips, running tips, or, or just the leader. Well, that's what uh, we were doing. And um, I actually, I, I put this lure away from the boat. I put it on a board. And when you're doing it so shallow and you have a three liter, you kind of have to get that inline planer and everything set up uh, prior uh, prior to putting it in the water. The entire setup, like planer, you're clipping it on the line before that lure is even in the water. And then you have to set it out there ever so gently or, um, you know, that <clears throat> force of the planer is going to cause that, that lure to foul up or catch onto the leader or have a hook. Uh, you know, just do something you don't want it to do. So that's what I was doing. And um, I was right on this bank. And um, I mean, this lure was ticking the bottom. You could see the board just like tick, tick, tick. I knew that we were pretty much out of real estate. And um, the only reason I, I remember this catch is because it was a big one. Um, you know, that, that lure must have been in two to three foot of water if that um and the rod just started screaming and when you have that little uh, that little of line out you can pretty much see the fish immediately uh struggling with that lure in its mouth and i was like oh boy that's a nice one uh really want to get that get that in uh so my buddy starts reeling it um and I, I go to start clearing lines and I'm focusing on the fish and not realizing that I have such little line out that I'm just like, like cranking these, the lures in to clear the spread and they're already in. All I really have to do is pick them up out of the rod holder and lay them in the boat. But I insisted on uh, reeling them through the, through the leader uh, just because I wasn't really focusing on that. Um, and you know, the fish came in and it was staying down and you didn't know how big it was because it was, it was kind of staying down. And the, with that struggle of the, the little inline planer board being there, uh, you, you might think the weights coming from, from the board being buried in the water, but, uh, the fish presented itself at the back of the boat. And, um, you know, generally we, we take those little inlines off. Um, but when they're that close to the leader, you kind of have to net everything. So I netted this fish and, um, it, uh, I netted the fish, uh, with, with the board and everything. It was a mess in the net, um, and a really quick net job, but, uh, it was a, a beautiful, uh, 49 inch, uh, Pennsylvania muskie hit, hit the mojo and, um, it was, uh, it, it, it you know. Made my early spring, that's for sure. Done deal. What color? Huh? <laughs> oh, my. Huh? Black. Black. Straight black. No, black shiner, night shiner. Oh, I was going to say, if it's straight black, and we just got done talking up Leo yeah. about how many layers of scaling and all these colors that he's hand-mixing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. You got... <laughs> You got me telling all the secrets, though. Sure. Yeah, because people don't even know where you're at. <laughs> or, Yeah, the, the thing is there's a ton of people there, so they saw that fish caught. Uh, and from all the texts that, that we got that day, 
uh, from the people in the water. They were asking how big, how big, and they said that that was the uh, longest fish they heard caught in the in the spring on that lake. So, a little nod uh, unofficially, to the you're mojo. winning. A little nod to the mojo bait. There you go. Yeah, it's a heck of a heavy fish at any time of the year, especially especially now. It's that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. A bonus. Yeah, that's uh, that's the biggest fish I've heard about a PA this year too, so far. Sweet. So sweet, uh, sweet, sweet. Kind of train. Your weather was your weather decent that day, or was you fighting all the wind that we've had lately? Uh, we were we were fighting some wind. Um, but we worked an area that was, uh, that, that was comfortable. You know, we kind of mm. played that wind where we could, uh, you know, kind of strategically stay in the, in the shallows, uh, designated area that we wanted to be. Um, so we just kind of, we was like, we're, you know, we can't fish over here because of the winds blowing this in and it's not, you know, uh, mm. the, the correct depth that we want to be in. Uh, so we'll just literally work this little quarter mile area for the rest of the day and uh, caught caught some fish had a had a lot on uh that got off and um it was super fun day the mojos uh kicked butt all day long so you know what one just i know you're saying you had others on but just just getting one big one like that 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 had to make the whole day oh yeah you're awesome I take. I think anybody that's talking right now on this panel would take the big one over the ten fish, you know, oh, ten yeah. little guys. I'd take yep. the one, one big one. Right. Yeah. So, kind of transitioning, uh, Leo. There was mm-hmm. some uh, events that happened after the Musky Max. Do you want to you want to give us the uh, rundown? We I saw some stuff on Instagram and our Todd here. He he just found out about it prior to the show when I brought up kind of like the structuring of what we were kind of hoping for out of this show. Um, you want to tell us what happened? Yeah, I um, it's funny because I had been working night turn and everything, and my sleep has been horrible. So that day I went to bed probably. 8 9 o'clock and couldn't sleep by 11 o'clock i said heck with it i'm just getting up and i'll go work on lures for a while and i worked all afternoon getting la shads and mojos ready so this was in the morning you were trying to go to bed at like yeah. eight in the morning okay yeah i slept i slept probably two hours and i just i couldn't sleep i was wide awake so i figured instead of just laying there i'll, I'll get out and start working and went out and started you know getting everything ready and uh worked pretty much all afternoon and by that time my wife had got home from work and she was gonna run up to giant eagle and i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna start routing you know the bodies and I'll, I'll get that stuff done and I, I think i routed maybe 30 bodies and i just had a major accident that that i mean anytime you're woodworking any any of the tools that you're using you're always i think you keep that in the back of your mind but you don't Nobody suspects it's going to happen today or it's going to happen now, but you do always think that something could go wrong. And uh, I started a, a piece of cedar into the router, and it just blew apart, blew the whole piece of wood apart. And I, I seen the wood go flying, land on the ground, and I didn't know 
didn't even know anything had really happened. I thought the wood kicked back and smacked my hand because it honestly did not hurt at all. And I actually leaned over, picked that piece of wood up to look at it, and then assuming, you know, that I was going to have a scuff on my hand from the wood, you know, I, I like I said, I thought it kicked back. I looked down, and three of my fingers are just wide open. Ooh. And I was like, oh, God. And hurry up, and you're almost like in a panic mode then. I try to call my wife to get her to come home, and uh, I, I don't know. It's A lot of stuff goes through your mind quick, but I, I start thinking I have sawdust all over me. I don't want to get anything in this. So I'm trying to hold my hand out to the side. And I do this all outside because it just throws so much sawdust. So I'm trying to wheel my router yeah. back into the addition on the shop, get my wood back in. and You got to take I, care of that before you take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, Obviously. I, I mean, when <laughs> <laughs> I get all that stuff back in. These inside, are good blanks. And it's just, uh, I started getting, I don't know if I was going to pass out or what, what was going on, but my peripheral vision went from good to pretty much just seeing straight in front of me. And I, I just, I was like, I got to get in the house. I made it into the house and, you know, from there I, I wasn't feeling too good, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up, uh, I'm sure everybody doesn't want to hear all the details of. I'm all ears. Was, but yeah. <laughs> I ended up, uh, <clears throat> my middle, you have three joints in your middle, in your pointer finger. My, my middle joint, that bone was blown into like 15 pieces. There ain't and, no putting that one back together, is there? No. And I honestly, I didn't, I didn't know it was, I knew it was bad by looking at it. I mean, it was just open, but I didn't, I even moved my hand a little bit when it happened. So I didn't think everything was broke. But uh, that night they, they couldn't do surgery and they had to actually clean it and stitch it up. And then the next morning the doctor come in and she said, you know, we, we got to amputate uh, your pointer finger um, right after the first joint. Like, I just have one joint. So I lost, like, two-thirds of my pointer finger. And then my ring finger, uh, they had to I, – I broke that also around the first joint um, in a couple places. So they have pins in there. And then everything's just, you know, stitched up. But What, what happened to the middle finger? What's that? The middle finger. Did anything happen to that? Yeah, that's the one that has the pins in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought my, you said the ring finger. No, I, I might have accidentally said ring finger. I okay. Meant, uh, yeah, the middle finger was, you know, broken a couple spots around the one joint. So they got a, it's like a single pin starting in and then it, it's like a dual. It has like two sections to it going through. And then my ring finger just got stitches on it. That was it. But now it's just like a... Yeah. Uh, just trying to adjust to everything because that's my right hand and that's the hand that I paint with and oh my. I know you guys probably know with your trying to control the trigger on your airbrush you, you're more than likely using your pointer finger and I, I can't do that now so I got to try to figure a way uh, hopefully going to be able to use my if my middle finger after I get the pin out if that thing you know bends and works right I'm hope, hoping to be able to use that um but the other day I just screwed around just to see if I could even use my ring finger and paint and it works, but it's, uh, it's probably like a last resort, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it works, but man, is it, it's from painting one way for say 30 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Changing. It's, you just don't have the same touch, I guess. 
with the airbrush for, you know, doing your, trying to do like fine lines or dots or anything like that. It's just, you got to get a feel for that. And right now my, my ring finger doesn't have that. There's probably not a whole lot of feeling in that hand anyway. Is, no. is it still in trauma? Um, it's still pretty, I, I checked the other day cause it's, it's so, it's still so swelled up that, uh, I think my, my pointer finger, we measured it and it's five eighths of an inch more round than the other finger. So it's, Ew. you girthed it. Yeah. It's still pretty, pretty swelled up. Mm. I mean like, okay. So I, I have to ask some of these questions like did you get a tourniquet on your wrist or your elbow or whatever you know when this happened to try to stop the bleeding was i would imagine there had to been a lot of blood wasn't there no it's it's you would think yeah you would think it would just be pouring out but i'd uh when it first happened there was hardly any blood but was it the I, wood wood that did it or did you hit the blade i hit the actual router bit you, you hit the bit okay yeah I mean, I, yeah. that's what I figured, yeah. Yeah, I hit the actual router bit. But like I said, it, it, it if I would have really, like, leaned in a lot, everything would have been gone. So mm-hmm. I, I know that I did not hit my hand very much off of there. But when that's spinning, say, I yeah. have it uh-huh. tested down, it's at 13,000 RPMs. It's you, Even just going in there for a split second and getting your hand out, I mean, it's, it's doing damage quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it uh, it really didn't bleed for the first, I don't know, probably 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then, I mean, it, it bled pretty good, but it wasn't what you would expect. Like, it wasn't just. You weren't, lo- you know, worried about bleeding out. No, no, no. No, not at all. Well. It was just sick. <laughs> it was just sick as heck. Yeah. Generally, I'm, I'm probably the worst person with, uh, I think I held up good under the, what happened, but once I got to the hospital, I didn't hold up too, too good. I was like getting sick and everything. And my wife, she's like, she's like, Oh my God, are you ever white? You know, it's just, I don't know if that's just like shock or I don't know what it is, but that's racist. Called, it's actually, that's actually called white coat syndrome. Uh, when that's, people show up to the, the hospital, they get nervous and kind of panicky. Um, and that's called white coat syndrome uh, because it, they, they, call it, yeah, it's, they call it that because people are walking around in like lab coats and stuff like that when majority of it's, it's scrubs now, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's very, uh, traumatizing. Um, those joints and everything you guys are talking about airbrushes that I had no idea about. Those are actually called metatarsals. So, Oh. Maybe I could, you know, I could bring in my expertise and maybe, you know, make you guys feel. That, that's super okay. impressive, Vance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. But, and then another reason you don't bleed, I would imagine naturally when you injure your hand, you, you, you keep it up. You keep it elevated. Did you keep it like up and elevated or like oh, yeah. Yeah. pointing up the side? And that... Anybody that, you know, if, you, if you're sitting in a chair right now and you put your arms at your side, maybe your veins in your hands come out a little bit, that redness comes out, it's because your heart is pumping your blood through there and it's working with gravity. So when you hold it up, 
your hand's going to turn white and those veins are going to disappear. And that's why when you always have those injuries, it's always good to elevate because that heart is not going to be pumping efficiently to that area where you get that horrible throbbing pain. Um, when, when you, you have something like that, and I'm going to go with some small, like a stove or a hook in the hand or something like that. And you always want to keep that up above, you know, kind of like by your ear or above your heart. So it's not going to, uh, hurt so so much initially um but i had no idea that this was going on and we had just caught all these fish and i messaged you and i'm like hey how's an 18 bait order sound <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like well I, I was like you know just you know get it done whenever you can no big deal just before the guy you know we start on talk or whatever and he, you're like well i don't know if you heard what happened but you know <laughs> i had this traumatic event and i was like oh god i was like i am so sorry i did not know at all Vance... Kind of like <laughs> looked like a jerk off so like, it would have hey, been hey, hilarious hey. if vance would have been like yeah, I knew about it. When are my baits going to be done? <laughs> I, did yeah. not, I, did I still not. want them on time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought you were painting left-handed now, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, is your left hand good? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that would so be I, a no. I, I can't even write my name with my left hand. No, I'd be in bad shape if something happens to my right hand. That's your trigger finger. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, all, everything's going to be little different man i'm so sorry to hear that you had a yeah. terrible injury last summer right was that last uh, summer two years ago yeah i've two, had two summers two, yeah two out of the past three years been some bad luck it's got it yeah <laughs> okay well what but happened do it, two years ago when i do it i do it right <laughs> well yeah we don't want the job half done here yeah <laughs> what's that we don't want the job half done yeah, oh, you do it. You do it right. You do complete <laughs> compound fractures and need amputations. Yep. That's the oh, way gosh. to live. <laughs> <laughs> we're all sitting around one day. But that's what we could say. You know, one thing about Leopardi, he always did. Yeah, I knew when, when they. I didn't know anything about it, but when they said when they said you had a bad, you know, injury, I was like, he was he was router in them shad baits. Yep. It's crazy because I've done that. I've I've run that router so many times that oh, yeah. that I mean I feel very very comfortable with it. I wouldn't. I would never let anybody even before this happened. I would never let somebody else come to my house and do that step of the lure making because I I always did feel like that's probably the most dangerous step that I do by far. Oh yeah, but, I, I just remember even the first time like. You, when you first started making the shad baits, which is a while ago now, but I mean, I remember being over there and, there, you know, it's a big, flat, long piece of wood. And I remember saying, saying, wow, why, why so much? And you're like, that's so I don't cut my fingers off on that, on oh, that yeah. router. You're like, you have a nice handle on the end. It's not like, like when you're lathing your, your, uh, jerk baits, the stuff that I used to do or the musky dogs, mm -hmm. it's it, it, the, the baits only that long. That shad bait's like a 12-inch piece of wood. Yeah. Or like a 5-inch bait, you know. Yep. And it's just so you have that handle on each side. And I, I never really, you know, I, I, I can remember you saying that, but I knew that's what, oh, man. I ended up, uh, yeah. I actually made a whole new jig for holding that piece of wood for when you're routing it. And, I mean, it's, I, I can't picture ever getting any type of an accident with it now. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. overkill, but. Yeah. It's it's uh 
it's worth it. <laughs> Wish yeah. I would have thought of it a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, some people listening to this might even not know what a, what a router is. Um, but this is essentially um, a, bla- a, a blade that's kind of shaped like a drill bit um, mm-hmm. that you're, you're – that, that sits up on a uh, like a nine, uh, 180 degree flat surface, and you got this little bit that sticks out of the out of the middle. It kind of looks like a nipple, and these guys are using these really small shad baits, and they're getting those fingers really close to that uh, to to get those nice uh, curvatures in the shape of that bait. And um, so, if anybody didn't know what a router yeah. was, so that was it. But <clears throat> the closest I ever get to a router is, you know, when I'm making, when I need to round off like a, a, uh, a cutting board or something. So I have some decent distance there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and making these, weird because I'm like with working with cedar, there's always that, like, it's not uncommon to get a piece with like a hairline crack in it or mm-hmm. you know, a pretty decent crack in it. But I, I do religiously check like every piece before whether it goes in the lathe or if i'm going to route it or whatever i do with it i check them and some of them you know get by that you don't catch and you know especially on the lathe you start and you might have a piece blow out or something oh yeah i mean i can remember that happening numerous times you grab the sandpaper to run the sand or you put a little pressure on it and thing flies everywhere but it's just in a lathe yeah, this one just blew out in a Look, weird. It wasn't. Yeah, uh, it didn't even go down the full length of it. It just went at an angle, like right where I started at. It actually blew the two pieces apart, and I still have them. I kept them. I'm like, well, that's something just to remind me, you know, what I what I'm doing. But it wasn't like I was. I wasn't flying. I wasn't, you know, not paying attention. I mean, I I did everything you're supposed to do. It's just that that thing one blew, blew apart. apart. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot to. Hey. When you when you do construction, and you know, I can't tell you the injuries and stuff that I've seen working construction with guys that do that stuff all the time. I mean, I got a friend that's blind. He was using a chop saw, and he cut a two by four, you know, and but there was a knot on the bottom side, and that thing blew up. Using the chop, like I said, the chop saw, the thing blew up, hit him in the eye, and he's blind. Uh, took his eye out. You know, the, what's the chance of that? You know how many times I've cut a two by four or something in my chop saw without putting glasses on. I mean, yep. you just don't even think of it, you know, because you, you do when you're doing building decks or something, sometimes you're doing that all day. And, uh, but there's odd things, you know, gosh. But like you said, man, it's always everything. Every time you run one of them, you know, you, when you do it all the time, you don't even think of it, but, uh, uh, you got to remember, you know, at any time. But there's nothing you can do about a situation like that. You know what I mean? No, no. How many you could have done? How you many can't. times do you think uh, you you ran a bait through that through a, just a running, router? Just running stuff through the router. I mean, I'm guessing fifteen thousand to twenty thousand times through routers, and never, yeah. never an issue. <clears throat> but I mean, this one, when it when you do have a problem on there, uh-huh. it's a real, it's a real yep. problem. But yeah, I think well, all in all, I th- like honestly, I think it it could have been so much worse. I think I'm I'm about as fortunate as I could be with what I got. I think that's yeah. for me that was for a so bad that was accident. Like, that, so you're like a, like you're like a month a month into it. Yeah, yep. like a month ago. And are yeah, you are you uh, are you that? working? 
like your main no. job are they open no no they, they are they oh they are. are you're not working yeah now. they you're are i'm up. not yeah. okay i didn't know if you're i know where you work i didn't know if they were shut down or not uh, so they were still working yeah i'm just like in recovery mode right now mm-hmm. can't, yeah can't lift anything with it or yeah yeah you know, any of that I, I did that painted that one lure the other day and i was like heck that that actually it went fairly well i mean other than being i'm not used to going that slow painting and it mm-hmm. just seemed like oh my gosh it's taking forever but <laughs> it, it worked so i don't know i've seen a lot of positive in that and mm-hmm. i don't know it's, it's i think all in all it's it's gonna work somehow i'm just really hoping that, that middle finger bends and works oh it'll take over hopefully yeah you know well i can say that you you sent me a picture uh of 18 baits that were painted yeah they i think they come out good i mean i thought they came out great i i honestly would never tell the difference uh yeah you know i, I, I thought i thought they were it's great it's funny you know? it's Vance, funny that, those, I, were, those were left over from the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though because yeah. i usually paint like in big quantities like i i hardly ever paint a dozen lures or 18 lures if i if i got say i got an order for 18 lures i'm probably going to paint 30 some lures i'll just paint extras and mm-hmm. uh when i when i was done painting those ones because that the airbrush is pretty much just resting on my pinky and my thumb and so it's it's not it's not real secure in there it's like you're it's almost like i'm not going to say teetering it's just not secure when you're holding it and uh after I got done with 18 of them, it was like my pinky, just your joint, your pinky with that laying on there and stuff. I'm like, I'm never, my hand is never sore airbrushing. <laughs> it's sore after doing 18. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. but Develop just, new calluses. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's all it is. It's just, just getting more time, you know, doing it, the, doing it the other way and it all, it'll all work out. Has Joey, your son picked up the brush at all? Has he tried anything like that? He's he's airbrushed a little tiny bit. Okay. Um, I just he, didn't know if he was into he, it or not. I at times I think he wants to. Mm-hmm. But he like the job that he has. He works for um, Shriver Fine Finishes. They make like custom uh, kitchen cabinets, and mm-hmm. he loves that. Like he loves that yeah. job. And that's awesome. He was telling me about it at the show. Now he just graduated. This is his first year out of high school, right? Yeah. 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 And uh. He, he loves that so much that, like, I don't think that he really wants to do the lures as much. Mm-hmm. But if anything with lures, he just wants to go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely go probably every single day if he could. So have you been, have you been painting, or can I say that these 18 are, like, your first test run? Oh, that's this... definitely my first test run. Oh, man, these are going to be super special baits. Yeah. They probably got the little blood mixed in. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. a Band-Aid on them and everything. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I, this is great. I'm almost, yeah, almost going to, like, I need to mark them. You almost need to order double so you can keep a set and a display and then a set for the boat. <laughs> 2020 accident. Yeah, you'll, is, you'll get you'll get it going, Todd. I know you will, but it's yeah. that's it's sad to hear. I didn't know. It's, it's, yeah, I didn't. I didn't wow. either. But since that accident, I mean, I've got nothing done. I have not. Mm-hmm. 
not got a the only thing I lucked out on with these was I had that many mojo bodies that were primed that were ready to paint. They were just ones that I didn't paint before the show. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and try to paint them if I can't, and I'll just, you know, have to wait. And, you know, I ended up getting them done the other day. They look incredible. I mean, yeah, thank you. Wouldn't bat an eye. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I painted up some of our, our rubber swim baits and was really nervous about the sellability of them um, just because I'm a horrible painter. And um, <laughs> they sold out in like 45 minutes, so I was fine with it. But the thing was, here's, here's the extent. I did a really, really tough cut. Uh, it was a shad. You put a <laughs> you put, put a black black, put a black, black on a back. glitter bait with a dot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Okay. Yeah. laughs> and some of, nothing wrong. And, and some of the dots haloed, um, but you know. So we're again, Todd. We're yeah. going to have uh, some shad baits this year, which is great. Nice. Yep. You know. So it it's working out. It's all working out. There's you know I'm about like. I would say maybe shooting 50% of sellability to guide baits. So it's, it's fantastic. It's working out for, for everyone. Well, Leo, do do you know, you know what those guide baits are? Leo, do you know what those guide baits are? That Vance Uh, was just talking about. Okay. Those are baits that uh, are deemed unsellable due to the uh, cosmetic Uh, appearance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i see I, I yeah yes yeah hey you wouldn't believe how many lures that are in my boat that were ones that weren't sellable Heck I would yeah, have, ones yeah. That have like a, a nick in the wood or mm-hmm. something up on them and they go in my boat mm-hmm. and they catch i get i get the questions all the time what do you how do you like them glitters i was like i don't have one they're like, what do you mean I don't have one? I said, we, we take them to show, we sell them all. I don't, I don't have a glitter, you know. I don't either. Well, make <laughs> room. Now, make room. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, make that's, room. That's, you know. Shut up. Oh my god. Yeah, I was, I was getting questions. I got, a, I got, a, I got, I get messages all the time. What color would you pick of a perch bait? And I'm like, well, I use perch and uh, and and uh, you know, brown and walleye, which is like brown perch and. I was like, because that's the two that I have. I don't know what to say. That's you know, <laughs> that's the ones I use. I've had them for like twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Funny, Todd. When you get these baits, they're going to mm. catch a lot of fish, but you can't put them all on one side of the boat. If you do, opposite of your kicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my. I'm glad someone got onto that. That's a high level oh, joke. Oh my. <laughs> hey you were saying vance you were you were you know with you just getting started on the airbrush and stuff like that you were giving yourself some bad grades but everybody that <clears throat> everybody i've ever seen including myself the first time that you're messing around with that airbrush you're probably not going to get the best grades i mean i i, I look at my my paint jobs when i first started and i'm like Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I showed these to people, you know, and it's, I still have some. And, uh, yeah, they were, I mean, horrible. It's just. And you started with some little baits. Too. Yeah. Yep. 
like uh, yeah, those little bass things, you know, those those look mm-hmm. very intricate. Yeah, I would not want to paint those yet. Yeah, no yeah. way, it would turn out one blob. It would be black, <laughs> <laughs> black, white, yellow, all black, whichever yeah. one you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's scale on there, but I just decided to black it. it it's it's yeah. so fine that you can't even see it. Just yeah. it's there. It's in everything's everything underwater. <laughs> <laughs> They're under the layers. <laughs> hey, can I ask you one more question about uh, the bait you made this year, Todd? Yeah, or Leo. Yep. Uh, we're, we're referring to you as Leo. Um, the 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 top water. Uh, oh yeah, actually, the, wasn't even thinking of that when you were talking earlier about the newer baits. Really, really cool. Yeah, tell that, us about uh, it quick. Yeah, that that, that when I. I did some paint work years ago for Ed Ladiano and he would show me some of the old like antique lures that he would replicate. And there was one by South Bend. It was called a Truckerino, and it was a weirdest looking lure, but it, it looked so good on the water just coming across. It was like this wooden, it's like a buzz bait coming across the top, but it's a wooden prop for the head. And, uh, I had made them years and years ago. And, um, this year, I was like, you know what? I wonder if I, I used, instead of the a rounded body, if I used our mojo body, like a shad body, and then made that, that wooden prop on the front, how that would work. So we, we screwed around with that for a while, and that's pretty much how we, we come out with that. It's just a, it's a lot bigger version of the old original that was made like by South Bend like back in the 19... I don't know if they quit making them in the late 1930s or early 1940s, but... It was a lure. It has not been made in years, and it was a lot smaller. So I just increased the size of the the wooden prop head and used our mojo body. And it's just it's a really neat looking topwater if you like topwater. When when Ladiana made them, were they bigger than the originals, or were they smaller than what you did? Um, he made he made ones that were like an exact copy of the originals. Okay. And he also made some of the musky, like he made them musky size. Yeah, that, that, that's what, because I, I remember a bigger one. I don't remember one that was, you know, relatively, you know, I thought the same size as that one you did. Yeah, so it was I like a, called the musky one, yeah. Yeah, I have one of his old, I bought yeah. it years ago, and I, I couldn't even tell you what the color is called. It's like a pearl, and he has all these different color lines going around, like almost like how like a bumblebee would be, but it's like like a like a real light blue and like a pinkish color and yellow and mm-hmm. all these different mm-hmm. stripes going around, but it's just, it's a neat looking, you know, top water. And then he was showing me, you know, the old originals. And at that time I really liked like his help on a lot of stuff, showing me, you know, how to, how to make some of these replicas of lures that you don't even see anywhere. And uh, I would make them and show them to Ed and, you know, he'd critique them a little bit and you know, I'd, some of them I'd be redoing and stuff just to get them right. But it was just, it was always neat. For one thing, it was neat talking with him. Oh yeah. His knowledge of the old lures and stuff like that. But then it helped me where I was able to make some copies of the old replicas that most of them I've never even seen. Like other than just making a copy one, I've never seen somebody that had some of these old, the real one. Yeah. 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 So it's just sort of cool to have some of them, but, yeah, that one, I ended up, you know, I just called that top water. I just call it the truck, like the Leo truck. And it's just a, 
it is a cool looking topwater bait. I mean, there's zero effort in retrieving it. You just pretty much cast it out, reel it in, and that head is just spinning like crazy. And you can you can reel it as slow as you want or as fast as you want, and that head will spin. It actually, when you cast it, that head's spinning in the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear it. Yeah, it's, it's it's neat. That's cool. It throws a lot of water. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna make a ton of them every year. I mean, like I made made some for the show and i'll probably make one more small batch this summer and that's Mm -hmm. probably what i'll do each year because they are i use i think it's 062 stainless through wire on the whole thing and it's there's just a lot of work that goes into that that Mm -hmm. bait Mm -hmm. and our area is not a huge top water yeah area but they have their time and place and uh I know. And you have you have a video of that on your social media page, is correct? Yeah, yeah. We, me and my son, went down to the Connie Knesson Creek, and we were casting it down there. And so we we videoed bringing it in just so people could see it on. We have it on our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. What is that Instagram page so people can find it? Just Leah Party Leah Lures. Okay. Perfect. Well, is there anything else uh, anyone wants to add before we wrap this up? I'm good. 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 Uh, get well, Todd. Yeah. Thank you got to get that. It. You got to get that finger ready. It's turkey season in two weeks. Oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that that time of year. Yeah, we got a couple weeks yet. So. Perfect. Well, Leo, thank you for uh, taking time out of your evening and you know catching up on what you've been up to and major events. Yeah, I sure appreciate it. I always have a good time talking with you guys. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, hit up your website one more time. It's www.leolures.com. Perfect. Everyone go there, check it out, um, buy everything he has so he can get uh, get the digits working again so he can start making <laughs> So my buddy said my nickname is Nine Digits now. Nine Digits. Oh, <laughs> should make the nine-digit bass. Oh, there you geez. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Well, big thanks to Fatty Z Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Ranger Boats, Vicks Marine, Baker Baits, and Muskies Inc. And uh, with that, everyone, uh, well, it's been kind of snowy here, but warm weather's on its way. Uh, Good luck fishing and stay healthy.